Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. For me, it was the right fit against the New York Giants. Like, this is, this is the New York Giants. If you don't like it, then you're welcome to leave. But that's the way that we do things around here. Man, I'm so blessed. It's crazy. I've been manifesting New York. I kind of had a feeling it was going to be New York, but now that we're here, man, God is good. Once a giant, always a giant. For me, it's only a giant. Welcome, everybody, to another edition of All In with Art Stapleton, a New York Giants podcast brought to you by the USA Today Network. I'm your host, Art Stapleton, and it is playoff time. The New York Giants back in the postseason for the first time since 2016. We got a loaded show for you today heading into... Sunday's game in Minneapolis, a rematch from Christmas Eve, the New York Giants, Minnesota Vikings, a game that was won by the Vikings. Greg Joseph kicks a 61-yard field goal as time expired. Giants defensive coordinator Wink Martindale referred to it. His analogy was it was basically like losing a basketball game on a half-court shot. Well, the New York Giants get their opportunity to show that They deserved and had earned that win. Uh, Obviously, it goes down as a win for the Vikings. Nothing you can do at the end of that game, but the Giants certainly were hoping that it was overtime. Well, now they can consider this playoff game an overtime game, if you will, uh, continuation from Christmas Eve. On today's show, as I said, loaded, we have the MVP of Super Bowl XXI, the one, the only Giants legend Phil Simms, He stops by, we talk about Daniel Jones, where the Giants are at, Brian Dable, maybe a little playoff preview as well. So we'll have Phil on the show. And then Jared Davis, linebacker, newly acquired linebacker for the Giants. He's only been here two weeks, yet come Sunday against Minnesota, you may see a lot of him out there at inside linebacker. We'll talk to Jared, talk his journey and how he went from the practice squad in Detroit, the team that drafted him in the first round several years ago, to now getting an opportunity here with the Giants and potentially playing a big role in this defense on Sunday. But first, without further ado, let's get to my interview with Phil Sims, who will be in the CBS studio all day Sunday and previewing the games Always great to talk to Phil, and he has great insight on Daniel Jones and what the Giants have been able to accomplish. Joining me now, a legend in uh, North Jersey when I first met Phil, uh, covering his sons in high school football. It's been a long time, but obviously a Giants legend, Super Bowl MVP, and now uh, gracing your television screens uh, both during the week and on Sundays. Phil Sims, thanks for joining me. And the Giants are back in the playoffs. Who would have thought? Oh, my gosh. I mean, it's... It's really uh, almost like a, I don't want to say a Cinderella story, but it is tremendous to think we look at the Giants with a new coach and all that. What a rebuild year. If they can win, I I can't remember what I thought before the season. I said, man, if they win six, I think I'd be happy. 
And uh, to see that the fact that they're in the playoffs and people think they're going to win their first playoff game, <laughs> a lot of people do, it's, it's just amazing. And I couldn't be happier for the organization. And I don't really know many of the players personally, but I know enough just to say hi to them maybe once or twice a year. And I'm really happy for a lot of players in the team that have fought through some a lot of adversity. And, of course, the two that come to mind are Daniel Jones, Saquon Barkley. What terrific years they had. Let, let's go to Daniel first. And just the idea, I mean, uh, you – I remember talking to you in week two after they beat Tennessee and the TV cameras caught Dable on the sideline, giving it to Daniel a little bit after he threw that interception uh, in the end zone. And I remember talking to you and you said, you know what, if he's going to coach him that way, they really have a chance. They have a chance to kind of get the most out of Daniel uh, and really out of that relationship. Looking back on that and then, obviously to where we are now uh how impressed are you with the growth of daniel jones and how he's developed and really how the giants have gone about uh doing that this year well i'm super impressed i've always liked this talent i like it coming out of college and now we finally got to see it put on the field on a consistent basis and i give daniel jones tons of credit you know he's tough he hung in there through some tough times, and I thought he played tough the whole year long. I never really saw a dip in his play for a week or two. I thought every game, if he had a bad game, I thought it was solid. And, you know, I don't think people appreciated enough what he did. Running the way he did, not throwing interceptions, playing under a lot of pressure, throwing a lot of contested tight uh, spot throws. Uh, so I couldn't uh, – I don't know him well or just I've only met him a couple times standing on the practice field. But, you know, really happy for him, happy for the organization. And I think everybody really across the country, even as I watch TV today, well, I don't know if the Giants will sign Daniel Jones. Why would they? They need to go out and get another – but then you didn't watch. You're not a fan. You're not even a fan if you didn't notice – how well he played and how much he meant to the Giants this past year. Now, we all knew the relationship or at least the reputation of Brian Dable uh, and then what we thought of Mike Kafka coming over from Kansas City and how right. how smart of, of a coach you know he was. Andy Reid respected him a lot. But how big of a challenge is that for what they've been able to accomplish? Now, obviously, Daniel deserves credit, but you could see the difference in the coaching, the approach, uh, and just how this offense schematically, you know, seems to fit Daniel Jones. It seems like they've built it week to week, you know, what they try to do a little bit more every week. How... I know you're impressed with Daniel, but from from a Dable perspective, what have you seen? And, you know, is that kind of what people expected from Brian Dable coming from Buffalo to here? I know how big of a fan you are of what they did with Josh Allen, what Josh Allen did for himself. You know, I'm not saying there's similarities, but certainly the foundation is being built similar to the way they did it in Buffalo. Well, look, I think, um, you know, what he did for Josh Allen up in Buffalo, of course, was tremendous. And, of course, Josh Allen, with no Brian Dable there, has Ken Dorsey, but they can kind of continue on what they started. You know, he groomed him for years, so you're getting the finished product if you're Ken Dorsey, so he's got to be happy about that. Right. But, you know, I think, the, it, you know, you quarterbacks are so dependent on so many things. The owner, the general manager, the draft, 
who's around them, the system. And that's the biggest thing. They created a system, and they worked around the weaknesses of their team also. But they created a system where it gave Daniel Jones a chance to succeed. And not only he, – he did more than succeed. He took it to the highest level, in my opinion, that you could have taken the system and the players around him and what they did. Nobody thought the Giants could have this type of season, as we've said already. But they did it. And, you know – I go out all the time in public every week, and early in the year, what do you think? Oh, we're not sure about Daniel. I just heard that, and I just go, wow, don't worry. He's he's going to be fine. And then probably after about week 11, 12, whenever, everybody, are the Giants going to sign Daniel Jones? Now, that it turned, so it was really cool to hear that. And, of course, I liked it, too, so we could talk about positive things when I was talking about the Giants. But that's what it is for coaches and coordinators when you're talking about the quarterback, can you give them a chance and help them along to show their talent, but then create plays where it doesn't have to be about their talent either? Give them some, where we make the situation so good for you, Daniel, this guy's going to be wide open, just throw it to him. And uh, that was a big factor. And, of course, when you have Saquon Barkley back there trying to prove everybody that he's ready to go again and the, head he, the year he had, that helped Daniel Jones, too, because when in doubt, and it's a 26, and that worked out pretty well, too. The, the feeling around the league, you know, Saquon, everybody always talked about his, you know, his talent, and obviously he had the highlight plays. To me, it seems like Saquon this year really embraced the idea that, you know, he had a he had to get, do the dirty work as well. I mean, you don't see the flaws in his game that everyone talked about. I mean, he went and worked in the summer with Kevin Falk on his pass protection. And look, you're still not putting Saquon Barkley on the field and say, go, go pass protect on third down. That's not his role. But it seemed like this year, more than anything else, he also worked on those flaws, those perceived flaws, and he's healthy. And, you know, I don't know about you, Phil, but I look at the playoffs and I start – listing players who can quote-unquote carry teams Saquon's probably in the top half and maybe even a lot higher than that going into this weekend do you feel that way do you think people or defenses fear Saquon Barkley if he's at his best oh yes I do I think every time he touches the ball there's a possibility that he can have an explosive play or score a touchdown the speed, the difference I see in him, there's no hesitation when he gets the ball. And, you know, the NFL has changed so much over the last five years. If you make a second cut as a running back, usually you're going to have about four defensive players just run you over. Yeah. Because the defenses are so fast, so physical. So it's see it, believe it, and go. And I, I it, it, it hit me early in the year. Wow, Saquon is a different running back than we saw at Penn State and a different running back that I saw in his previous years with the Giants. And it all came out. It all worked. And I'm sure a lot of that was – most of it was him, his determination to get, you know, physically where he should be. And, of course, the coaches telling him what they want and how this thing is going to work. And he listened. He did it. And I don't, I don't know the numbers off the top of my head, but I know it was, I think, over 1,300 yards he had this year. Yep. That, that's a tremendous year for a running back to really stay healthy, basically, for the whole year. So hard to do in the NFL. He did it. He avoided contact a lot of times. 
where, you know, that just helps him uh, stay healthier and fresher as the year goes along. So that was impressive, too, how he just took care of himself during games running the football. Yeah, the durability for Jones and Barkley was a huge factor this year uh, for this offense, just to have those centerpieces to be able to do it. I was digging through some numbers going into this weekend, and Brian Dable has talked about you know consistency and approaching the playoffs. You know what it was like to play in multiple playoff games early in your career, then obviously the Super Bowl, uh, and you know all of those you know games that from the outside in are supposed to bring more pressure, more urgency. You know, I went back and I looked at the numbers. You played your first playoff game, and I know you missed the season with a knee injury, but it was 50 starts, and then you played your first playoff game. Daniel Jones is at 53 starts, so 54 will be his first playoff. I thought that parallel was very interesting. Take me inside the position. I, I, I know I'm asking you to go back a long ways, but the idea of preparing for a playoff game as a quarterback uh, for that first time, how difficult is it to keep it as routine as possible? I know it's a position where you're, you know, you're all about routine and keeping things as simple as possible. But when you're the quarterback, how how different is that? How challenging will they be, that be for Daniel walking into that stadium uh, in Minneapolis on Sunday? I don't think it will be challenging in the way you're asking the question. I think the year you got so much experience, you've played so much and everything that you will not get nervous for the playoff game. And I don't know, you know, Art, thinking back to the playoff experiences I had, my first playoff game was in Los Angeles. Is that right? In 84? Yep, against the Rams. You guys won. Yep. I had no nerves playing the game. In other words, I wasn't nervous. It was another game. You go out there and you just you just play. And, uh, you know, I, I think the biggest thing, in 85, we had a playoff game at home against the 49ers. Now, that was different because I'd never forget running onto the field out of that tunnel just to warm up. And before I got to the 10-yard line out of that tunnel, I went, oh, my gosh, this is awesome. <laughs> I, and, because you could feel the tension and the excitement in the stadium already. And it was nothing like I'd ever experienced really in my life. And it, it, I just remember, this is great. And it didn't make me nervous. It just made me feel good. And when the game starts, you're not thinking about winning or losing. You're just thinking about the play and you do your thing. So I think nerves, yeah, there's a little bit maybe for some players, but I don't know. I never found the nerves to be a problem uh, uh, in, in playoff games. Uh, I didn't get to play in enough of them, but that, that's kind of what I remember from them. And I'll be surprised if Daniel Jones, they, any of these skilled people, feel the pressure or feel the nerves. You know why? Because the coaches are going to design plays to make sure nerves are not part of their decision-making early in the game. Hmm. So you try to get an easy throw or two here and there, easy said, hard to do. And with Saquon, a running back, it's just all instinct. Give him the ball and let him go. Nerves will not be a problem for for Saquon, that's for sure. Before I ask you to just give me a sneak peek as to how you're looking at the entire playoff picture, uh, your thoughts on – 
on the Giants and the Vikings. You hear what everyone else says. I'm not necessarily looking for a prediction. I know you're not really into into those kind of things, uh, except on you know on game day. But what do you feel? What do you feel when you're watching these two teams? I know you're digging across the league, so it's not like you're you're diving into Giants Vikings like you normally you know would if it was just a standalone game. But what do you feel about it? Do you are you buying into the goodwill about the Giants going back there, or and what do you what do you like about the Vikings uh, in this situation? Well, I think the Vikings, just like the Giants, they got a better understanding of the team they're going against. I think really that, you know, I don't like saying this, but I think that edge, when you think about what they've learned, kind of goes to Minnesota because they know more about the Giants. Now the game means exactly the same to both their crowd, all that. But the Giants have a lot of playmakers. And that's when I say playmakers, the coaches, uh, we've already talked about some. I think about Dexter Lawrence and, you know, a young guy. Here we are, Kayvon Thibodeau. Uh, you know, I look at guys like him. Can they make a big play or two in the game that can swing it in their favor? And no matter what Minnesota does, they still have one of the worst defenses in the NFL, and that's not going to go away in one game just because it's the playoffs. So that gives the Giants a big-time fighting chance. Of course, everybody – What's alarming to me, and I don't like it, even though I'm not part of the organization and all that, so many people are picking the Giants. And, you know, I just like, whoa, I wish it was, I wish they'd all pick Minnesota. <laughs> not even playing, but I like that scenario always better than everybody being behind a team that's traveling on the road, like the Giants, to Minnesota. But I'll say this about Minnesota uh, Kirk Cousins is one tough dude. I admire him now more than I ever. He hangs in there and throws the ball. So that there's good and bad. He can, he's not afraid to make the big play. He's not afraid of, oh, he's going to make a mistake. Uh, but the fact that he is so aggressive physically and mentally and throwing the football, that does give you a chance every now and then. And he's not a guy that's afraid to throw an interception. He's trying to make big plays. And so those are just a couple thoughts I have. But I, I'm going to be very excited to watch the game. I work on Sunday, and when we get done with our game, Buffalo and Miami, I'm going to get in that car and get home as fast as I can. And I'll have a tape because I don't want to miss any plays, and I'll watch it from the start and try to keep up with it as it goes along. But I'm excited for the Giants being an old Giant player. Melissa Merritt taught the owner taught me there's no ex-Giant players. You're just old. <laughs> <laughs> And, and I, I remember that. So I'm excited for the franchise and everybody involved. And, of course, you know I'm going to be rooting for the Giants to win the game. Let me ask you just real quick in terms of the entire picture in the AFC with everything that's gone on, obviously just continued great news for DeMar Hamlin and everything that's happened right. on that front. Kansas City, Buffalo, Cincinnati – is that the the trio that you're kind of anticipating that there are going to be some battles here to see who represents the AFC and potentially being the favorite to win the Super Bowl? Well, yeah, I think when you name the three teams, they really catch your eye. Those three, but you know, listen, it's it's playoffs, and you know, Cincinnati. Unfortunately for them, their offensive line got beat up here late in the year. That's always a factor when I look 
you know, look at games. But I think the three teams you named, they've kind of separated themselves from the pack. And the team, I guess if I had to pick one team, even though they're going on the road, you know, the Chargers catch my attention. And they are the, you know, I love this, you know, the old cliche. They got hot at the right time. And I don't know if they got hot. They got healthy. A lot of players back. The receiving core is a big deal. Mike Williams, can he play? But that's the team I look at if you just, we look at and say, out of nowhere, they find their way through this whole thing. It, the team that could do that to me is the Los Angeles Chargers. They could lose to Jacksonville, but the throwing of Justin Herbert, the coaching of their offense by, oh, I don't know, Joe Lombardi, I think it's Joe, yep. Coach Lombardi. He's done a tremendous job. And I think the Chargers, too, what they've done on the defensive side, they're game plan specific. You never know what you're going to get from them. They've been extremely creative and can catch you off guard because you can study all you want. All of a sudden, they've got a defense for you and got a lot of guys back healthy. So that's the one team out of nowhere. If I had to pick in either conference to look out for, it would be the Chargers. Excellent, excellent stuff, Phil. Always a pleasure. Uh, like I said, the, the Giants are back, so who who better to talk about the Giants than Phil Sims? Thank you very much for your time. All the best to your family, and I'm sure we'll be catching, catching you up soon, and we'll see you on Sunday on CBS. All right, Art. Well, you you made me feel old, and you go in the introduction. Well, I covered his son. <laughs> I was like, okay. I mean, it's amazing how time has gone by and all the years, but uh, it's great catching up with you, and I appreciate you having me on. Awesome. Thanks a lot, Phil. You have a great night, and we'll see you over the weekend. All right, Art. Thank you. Special thanks to Phil Sims, obviously uh, a legend. I keep saying that word, but talk about a Giants icon. And, you know, it's joking. He, he says that he he didn't play as many playoff games as he would have liked. Well, he played arguably the greatest Super Bowl game for a quarterback in NFL history. Uh, and... Uh, you know, leading the Giants to their first of four Vince Lombardi trophies. So special thanks to Phil. Obviously, he's a big believer in Brian Dable and Daniel Jones. And we'll see how that um, manifests itself this weekend. Now let's go to the interview that I did in the locker room on Thursday at the locker of Jared Davis. He's got a great story here just a couple weeks and I think he's going to play a lot on Sunday I really do I think in, in the inside linebacker and in sub packages and in base uh, alongside Jalen Smith it's Jared Davis and he'll tell his story here and I think you'll enjoy listening to the veteran linebacker all right, so playoffs, it's been a, a whirlwind month for you, I would yep. imagine. Yep. What, what's it been like? What's the mood here in the last couple of weeks been like for you? I mean, the energy is great, man. It's, it's up. It's, it's been up since I've been here. And, you know, it's been awesome just getting here and just being able to learn a new group of guys, learn a new scheme, learn a new group of coaches, and just be able to show up to work every day. Um, it's been challenging, but when I step out on that field, and I get to run around with the guys next to me, like it's really helped settle me down and calm my world down, you know? So I'm, I'm excited for the opportunity that we have in front of us, and I can't wait to go out there and, and put our best foot forward on Sunday. Now, I know you're, you're obviously a veteran. You played in this league. You played a, bit, a lot of games in this league. Yep. 
um, coming to a new team late in the season mm -hmm. with the challenges that you face to get up to speed. How did you knock that out? How did you attack that? I mean, I think it's something that I'm still in the process of doing. And I think that's what helps me realize that this is a process. Uh, it's something that it's constantly got to be worked and fashioned every single day. I think, you know, for me, my mindset throughout my NFL career is I can jump into a scheme or I can learn a, a playbook and I'll have it down. But that's not really the case. Like what I've learned over my whole career playing, like sometimes you're going to forget things. So you got to go back and you got to you got to constantly delve back in and remind yourself of, okay, what do I do on this call? Why is this so important? Why did I start this? Why is this coming up? And you got to constantly know those checks and keep yourself sharp. I think the awesome thing about being here on a short week and a short amount of time has helped me just constantly keep my mind sharp, like keep my mind going. Um, and it's it's heightened my awareness, heightened my senses, and I feel like it's making me a better player. Like, it's just, it's the challenge, but at the same time, like, it makes me, like, say, okay, like, I got to get this right. And when I get out there on the field, I can feel it, and I play fast, you know? Watching you the other day, it seemed like it was an opportunity to say, JD, get out there, show us what you got. Mm -hmm. Show us we can count on you yeah. when the playoffs arrive. Yep. How did you approach that game? Did you feel like with the, all those snaps against, you know, not third-teamers. I mean, you were playing, you know, arguably yeah. the best offense in the NFC, if not the league. Yep. Yep. What was that like for you? And did you almost convince yourself that you were ready for this opportunity? I think it, for me, like it was a huge, I, it was a huge confidence booster. I mean, all year for me personally, like being on practice squad in Detroit and knowing that I'm working, but I can't automatically see the results of it, you know. And just knowing that that was just revitalizing my love for the game and everything. Um, just going out playing Philly this past week, it was it was amazing because it just showed all that hard work really paid off. It got me prepared for the situation. Um, I was I didn't feel like I was behind at all. Like understanding that, okay, I'm learning, I'm playing in a different defense. There's some subtle nuances that are way different than what was going on in Detroit. But at the same time, like, I just told myself it's football. It's football. I didn't dress it up. I didn't over, you know, overdo the situation. I didn't, I didn't, I just didn't make it bigger than what it was, you know. Take me through your journey a little bit. When you got here, we talked about it, the idea that the Giants really wanted you. How long did that process go? I mean, you, you felt like you were in a good situation, right? A yep. team, you felt, uh, you know, emotional ties to Detroit, you yep. knew with the Lions, your family was there. Yep. Take me through the steps of that. How far back did it go? It was at least a month, right? Did yeah, I feel, like it was, I feel like it was around four weeks. I mean, I feel like... It was like the second time we had played Minnesota and Detroit. I got an opportunity to get come up and play and got elevated. And um, I feel like ever since then, like after that week, they had been calling, just trying to see, you know, if I was going to make that move. And it, like I said, it was a lot of things on my plate. Like as far as, dang, do I want to move? Do I want to like not want to go? Like what do I like? What do I want to do? You know? And what's best for my family? Like I, I think about. I used to think about myself a lot when I was single and you know just playing football, having fun in the league. But now it's about my wife and my son and making sure that they're comfortable. And like that's the biggest thing that kind of held, like held me back in Detroit. And made me stay there because I don't want to shake up my family's foundation. I understand this is a this is a once in a lifetime opportunity. This is a job. All those things I get. All those things, but 
Like, my son is only going to be 11 or 10 or 11 months for one time in his life, you know, so... I just think that, and a lot of people say, you know, that's an opportunity to move him. But at the same time, like, I just enjoyed the routine we had set at home every single day. And, like, I, football has been something that I've kind of pushed back a little bit when it comes to my overall values. And that was an opportunity for me to just stick to that and just live on what I believe in, what I preach, you know? And it wasn't like Detroit was and the, yeah, the, 2 and 13. Exactly, exactly. So, you had a reason you invested there. Yeah. Um, but then they go down to Car- you guys go down to Carolina. Yep. Right? You hadn't seen the elevations that you had thought you yep. would see, right? Yep. So when you make that call to come here, yeah. And you sit down with your wife and you talk about yep. it. At that moment, is it a refocus for you? Is it a reset? Is there a lot of uncertainty in terms of how do I ingratiate myself in a new team that's been together for so long? You know, I think naturally as a human, those things come up, right? And for me, I had it's another opportunity, but I just told myself, like, yeah, those things are, are understood. Those are probably the prerequisites of transition. But I just told myself, I'm like, if that's the excuse that I'm going to use to stay somewhere and be comfortable, then I got to re- also recheck myself, too. You know, so that just looking at it from an option, from the perspective of, yeah, this is something that I can stay comfortable and stay here in Detroit and just ride it out. And whatever happens, whether we go to the playoffs, whether we don't, now hindsight's twenty twenty, they didn't make it. But what, whatever happens, like, I'll be good here. Like, I'm not, I'm not in a bad spot here. But... That competitor, that competitor came out in me once I got my three elevations in Detroit and I was down until they eventually had to sign me to come up to the roster. Um, and it didn't look like that. And I had to watch that week. And I was just like, man, I should be out here playing. Like, that hunger was kind of stirred up inside of me. And I was just like, yeah, man, this is... Like, I, I talked to my wife and ironically, like, it shocked me to hear her say, why don't you just go? And I was like, what? Like, I was, I was saying, You expected the opposite. Yeah, I expected the opposite. But when she said that, it also gave me the energy and the courage to step out on faith, you know? And come out here and just... Just literally lean on everything that I've been through this year to come and be the best I can be for this team. Now, I would imagine it also helps that it wasn't like they claimed you off the waivers. Yeah. This was clearly a team a defense, defensive coordinator, coaches that believed in you that yes. you could come here and be have a role. It yep. wasn't like they were going to come and say, all right, we'll see in a couple of weeks. Yeah. So how has that manifested itself, the belief that they had in you that you could play a role on this team so late in the year? You know, I look at that as like the um, – I'm trying to think how I can best put this. Uh, those are like those like small deposits that are made every single day. Like, you almost, it's like you don't notice them, but if they weren't happening, then you would notice how you felt if you didn't get those small deposits. Those small deposits of, man, you're good. Like, you're a great player. We all know you can play. We all know you can do this. Like, we want to, we can't wait to see you go out there and play well. Like, we can't, we, like, we're excited to watch you play. Like, that type of love and that type of energy coming from a coach to a player, like, I felt like that, that that helped me just go out there and really just put, just literally show the world who JD is again, you know? 
and not have any fear, not hold back at all. Like that excited me to to just learn the scheme and really be super tight on everything. Like not leave anything for chance because they believe in me, so I should believe in myself. And not only should believe, I believe in myself, but I should believe in them as well. So I just I want to put that forward and express that in the best way I possibly can with my preparation, with my practice, and my play. Does it help you? A lot of times the guys on the inside, the mic, uh, would be calling the huddle, relaying the signals. Mm-hmm. Does it help you that in Wink's defense that the safeties do it, it's either Jay Love or, or Xavier, yeah. that it's one less thing you have to think of? It doesn't mean you're not going to attack it the mm-hmm. same way, yep. but the, all eyes aren't necessarily on you in the middle of the yeah. huddle. Does that help in a way? To accelerate the curve for you? I think that does take a lot off of off of your plate because there's been times in my career when I was the green dot and I had to call all the plays and do everything and make sure everybody knew what was going on and then say, hey, coach might come in with say, hey, alert this, make sure somebody's rolled up or whatever. And you got to you got to communicate that. But now, like, and there's been times in my career when I wasn't the green dot. And those times when you're not, it's kind of quiet, but you have to make sure you're locked in, you get the call, and then now you go through your checklist. Like, I feel like as a green dot, sometimes you don't really get to do that as much because you have to communicate, hey, do this, do that, do this, do that. Make sure we got this. Everybody gets the call. Boom. And now the ball's getting ready to be snapped. Right. So, I mean, I feel like, can I do it? Of course. But the fact that I don't have to do it, I 100% agree. Like, what's your thing? It helps out a lot. Uh, there's also a point where it's not like you have to learn the entire playbook front to back, right? Yes. You're learning game plans, essentially. Right? Exactly. So that also helps you be ready for yep. an assignment on Sunday. Yep, no doubt. And that's that's the thing that helps me play faster, too. And I don't feel like I'm not as locked up because, okay, like, there might be, like, this backdoor element to a play call we have. And, like, you don't realize it. Because I don't realize it because I'm so new to the defense. But also, like, that's a good thing and a bad thing. Because it's good because now I'm not going to be, like, scared to get beat on this. But if they do do this, then it's like, oh, man, like, I was actually supposed to take that, you know? But so for me, with my preparation, I am studying the game plan and locked in on that always. But I still go back and do a little bit extra because that's what that kind of goes back into me expressing my love and gratitude to the team, to my coaches, by saying, hey, I know I've been here two weeks, but I still got a job to do out there, and I still got to be a supporting element for everything that we have going on. I can't be a liability out there, so I got to go back and do my due diligence. So I feel stupid because I should have done this research, and I normally would. Is this your first playoff game, too? This is my first playoff game. The emotions of that, I got to imagine when you came here, coming to a team that had a chance it's not mm-hmm. like you came here to a team that was locked in yep but for you you're going back to a place where you're familiar with you yep. played in that stadium an opponent you're familiar with and to feel the emotion of a first playoff game do you go in here fighting emotions what are the emotions how do you describe what you're feeling i mean for me i feel like dave's done a great job at just like He's honestly, guys, ready for, like, these type of questions. But also, he's just – he's like, hey, man, like, we're going to play football, you know? And for me, the only playoff experience I've gotten in my life is in high school. Won a state championship in my freshman year. 
didn't I don't know if we went my sophomore year. I think we did. And then my junior and senior year we went to the second or third round of the playoffs. So I understand like the intensity and the height of playing playoff football. Now do I know it in the NFL? No. But at the same time, when I feel like when I'm playing my best playing this game, I, f- I have a familiar feeling that I've gotten ever since I was in Little League football. Like, I feel like there's just this certain element, this certain flow state that I get into when I play. And I feel like I feel unstoppable. You know, I feel like I'm just out there and I'm having fun and I'm free. You know, so I say that to say all that, I say playoffs is it's, it's an honor. I'm glad we made it. I'm excited to be here. It gives me more hunger. But at the same time, I'm ready to go take this thing one play at a time. Are you back to where you need to be in order to have an impact on Sunday with this defense? I pray I am. I feel like my body is, you know. That was, seven. I think it was like 70 plays, something like that. There's a lot of plays, but it felt good to be out there. And adrenaline does a lot. It does wonders. And, shoot, man, I'm excited to... They call my number, get out there, and just have that impact I always want to have, you know? Won't be the first time you hit uh, Cook or try to go after Cousins. Or oh, anything. no. Come on, man. I play, I've been playing Dalvin since we were in college. He was at Florida State. I was at Florida. And Kirk, I mean, I've seen him for the past three, four years now. So I'm excited, man. Excited. Thanks, man. Thank Appreciate you. It. All right. Special thanks to Jared Davis for joining me. And... It's been a fun show. Like I said, a packed show. We're going to give you a special episode. At least we're going to try to pull it off on Friday. Burt Bainbridge, our gambling analyst for NorthJersey.com. And we'll get him on to talk this weekend and the NFL playoff picture in general. See if we can get another interview in the Giants locker room tomorrow. And I'll give you some of my thoughts on this week's game we're heading to minnesota on saturday we will have a post game podcast on sunday as well so make sure you check out all my coverage on northjersey.com and across the usa today network we got specials going on for digital subscriptions so if you have not subscribed yet please do we will have a lot of great stuff not just through the rest of this season and the playoffs but also in the off season as joe shane gets a full offseason to try to rebuild this team and replenish some of the spots on the roster that they need to go. But that's all for the next couple weeks. Right now, the Giants are in the playoffs, and we are all in. We appreciate you being all in as well. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.